Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know. Maybe a year. Maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hello, welcome to a new episode of Media Expats. It's Pauline, and today I meet with Christine, who is podcast host for Flourish in the Foreign, and a Black American woman who has been living in Spain now for the past few years. Hi, Christine. How are you? Hi, Pauline. I'm very, very well, and thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled also. I'm very excited to hear about your journey, which I'm sure is very, very interesting and full of insights. So I'll hand it over to you straight away and let you introduce yourself briefly before you dive into your your expat journey. Yeah, sure. Hey, everyone. I'm Christine. I'm from Atlanta, and I am the host of a podcast called Flourish in the Foreign. Um, I've been here in Spain for five years, and it's been such an amazing journey. The thing that I love the most, probably about being an expat, <laughs> is is definitely the space and the time that it's given me to focus on my wellness, and that's something wow. that I love to chat about. But yeah, well, we will definitely <laughs> dive into that piece. I'm interested to hear how you brought that into uh, into your life. I think, especially coming out of those two two pandemic years, there's nothing better right now. Maybe let's go back to the beginnings and. Yeah, this inspiration to go abroad started and what led you abroad in uh, in the first place to become an expat as you are today? Yeah, um, I come from a family that is quite mobile. Like they just right. move a lot. On, <laughs> okay. my, on my dad's side, uh, he's Trinidadian and my grandparents and him immigrated to the United States in like the 70s. So right. there's that going on. And then hmm. both of my parents were actually in the military, in the Air Force. Oh. And so my mom was stationed in like the Philippines and Korea. And I think my dad was like in Egypt at one time. So wow. it just was part of like our family makeup, right? Where yeah. moving around was normal. And, you know, at the time when my parents were stationed, they were no longer together. So I was okay. like the little kid, baby, basically. <laughs> I was about three or four years old being, you know, shuttled between grandparents and aunts and oh, uncles. Wow. And so I started to travel uh, by myself when I was like four years old. I started to... Amazing. Yeah, like... <laughs> that uh, must not be easy, but it is pretty amazing also that you you did that. I mean, I mean, that's what's so uh, crazy about it, right? Is that when you start doing it from a young age, you don't develop mm. any fear, any fear no. of like planes, any fear yeah. of strangers, really, besides like kind of <laughs> normal stranger danger. But you just don't. You kind of just like, let's go. And then um, as I got older, when I was 10, my dad got stationed in Germany, actually. And so then I started okay. to visit him there for the summer times. And I just I just traveled. It's always a part of kind of my family makeup um like i don't have a family that's like don't go don't see don't mm. do it's too too scary i don't have that so it was really yeah. really nice and then when i was about 17 i knew that i wanted to live abroad and i think it was because i've had the experience of travel and so when yeah, i went to and seeing your parents live abroad also maybe probably helped a lot <laughs> exactly or you know i think at 17 i knew that 
Even though Atlanta is beautiful and the U.S. is an interesting country, it's not. I knew it wasn't the only thing in the entire world, and I knew、mm-hmm. I wanted to see something different, and I wanted to see it for myself. And so,、yeah. when I went to university, I decided to study abroad, actually here in Valencia, Spain. Right. Actually, like 15 years ago, which is like horrifying to think about, but it's true. 15 <laughs> years ago, right? <laughs> I I studied here in Spain, and I just was like, I I like. The feeling of going and exploring, and、mm-hmm. yeah, it's difficult when you're like, I don't understand the language all the way, or、yeah. I don't understand the cultural norms of why is everything closed during siesta, like when I have things、yeah. to do. <laughs> But I, I've always been really open to to exploring those differences. I mean, I've always. Understood the resistance I may feel, but I never、okay. thought that it was bad or horrible.、Mm. I just was like, this is something new that I want to understand, and so really, that's kind of really the seeds that were planted to get me to go abroad. But finally, it was in 2014 when I walked the Camino de Santiago,、uh, the pilgrimage、okay. in Spain, and I was like, okay, I did that. I'm definitely going to move to Spain, and so three years later, I made the move. Wow! And what clicked? Like you say, I did that walk, and that's when I decided I'm moving to Spain. What clicked in your mind and said, "Well, it has to be Spain." This, yeah, I think it was one. You know, walking over thirty days across、oh, wow. the country—you <laughs> you see a lot, you experience a、yeah. lot. You're not at your best. Sometimes you're at your worst. And I think the hospitality, the beauty of Spain—I just felt like you know, I've always wanted to actually live abroad, not just visit, not just study.、Yeah. I want to make it happen. And that experience, I think, it gave me the confidence in a really weird way. Meaning, like, it broke me down. And then once I was broken、yeah. down, I recognized I was like, I could do this. You know? Yeah. No, I get it. It's like you're at the lowest. You've gone through the lowest, so you can do anything after that. <laughs> really? And I think I actually think it's probably for the best in a, I guess, weird way because.、Um, I you don't have like crazy expectations of yourself or the experience、mm. that way, right? You don't overly、right. romanticize it, and also you recognize that it's really going to be step by step. Like I'm not going to、yeah. enter into Spain and it's going to be like, hooray, amazing! There'll be a parade. It's like no, it's not going to be like that. And I think that was the best way for me to make that transition of having that experience. Because for me, it, it gave me permission to give myself a lot of compassion through the、yeah. transitioning period of getting adjusted and settling into Spain. Yeah, I think going in knowing that you're gonna love it, but it's gonna be hard, and you're gonna go through challenges. It just helps a lot. And I think sometimes we go in with the expectation that we've left everything. We some some people, not everyone, had to sort of. Justified your leave to family, and then you want everything to be perfect, and you have to showcase that you're perfect just to be able to tell them, "Look, I did make the right decision," and you don't want to go back on that. No, it's hard. Maybe I shouldn't have. 
Yeah, that's something I actually just talked about this on my YouTube channel. Um, I talked about like the grief of living abroad and I talked mm. about like there's so many different types of grief. One, you know, if a family member, a friend gets sick and you can't be yeah. there, that's yeah, horrible. Okay. Or if there's even like a joyous occasion and you can't be there, that's the grief. But I think there is... Um, a grief that not a lot of people talk about because it's so specific to living abroad. And that is the grief of the life you, you decided not to choose. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know how to articulate that because yeah. if I talk to my friends back home and like, yeah, I'm grieving this life that I could have had with all of you, they're going to be yeah. like, just come home. What are you talking about? Just come home. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not that I'm looking for a solution or that I want it. It is a grief of this is a, a life that I guess, you know, with everything being equal would have played out in a very expected way. When you live abroad, a lot of things are uncertain. And even yes. when you live abroad for a long time, things are still uncertain. And it's still <laughs> and, and everything changes every day. <laughs> right. And then and that is sometimes a little bit crazy and unnerving to recognize. Um, and things are hard and things are not all, you know, Instagram posts and things like mm. that. And so there is this grief of it could have been easier or different if I would have stayed. And it's hard to talk yeah. about because people want to just say, come home or you're having a horrible time. And it's not really that it's quite nuanced, you know? Yeah. It's, it. Not all of it is horrible, and it's about finding that fine tune of how much do you miss home, and are you stuck in this what if situation constantly, and the FOMO about what's going on at home, and and of course you're always going to have that piece, but it's also making the time and the space to focus on what you're living and trying to make the most out of it. One thing you talked a lot about defining your well uh, at the beginning, you talked about finding the well-being and the mental space. I get it in a way when you go abroad, but I think so much happens when you're abroad. You're constantly stimulated. How do you actually find that time to stop and and focus on what you're feeling and how you're sort of absorbing all of it? Yeah, I feel like I have had to be very intentional about my days, right? How mm -hmm. I spend my days because it everything can be a blur. You just be like, oh, okay, it's now almost April. I don't know what's been happening yeah. the past three months. But I have found that intentionality is really important. And for all the feelings and the emotions and all the things that are happening, I make it a point to not only journal about how I'm feeling, but I, I stop myself when I'm feeling like I'm going into automatic, right? Like right. I have to run here and I have to run there. Especially, I think me being American, I have like this sense of urgency that is like on 5 million and people are like, <laughs> it's not that serious. But I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> and I have to go this and, and then like, I need to go to all the shops at the same time. And I'm going to the shops and they're like, I have like five bags and I'm like, go home put these down Sit and down. come back, you know? I, I think it is, it's about intentionality and slowing down, but also it's about the, the kind of uh, expectations that you have for yourself and they have mm. to be adjusted. 
you know, when I was living in the States, there was an expectation of who I would be and and the things I would accomplish. And I don't know if those are really set by myself. Definitely yeah. my parents had a huge role in that. And I think we've all gone through that at some right? point. <laughs> yeah. Like society, your peers, what your peers are doing and things like that. But when you're abroad, you kind of have somewhat of a reset. Even if maybe you're mm-hmm. working with a local company, you have a bit of a reset because as a foreigner, you're not really expected to assimilate to all of the cultural norms, the culture. right? Obviously be respectful, but you they're of not course. expecting you to be like lockstep with them. Oh. It's, I think and it's, they don't know you, which yeah. is the big difference. So they don't have, like they haven't seen you before and they haven't been able to project it what they think you should be either. Exactly. So basically whatever you present, they're just be like, okay. Okay, weird, that's you. Weird foreigner. <laughs> I don't know like if that's what you But say. But it's you. <laughs> yeah. But I think that is the space that is so crucial. And that's the space I think as expats we need to revel in is that is the space that we get to define and set our own pace. And I think that's also the space that we have to reflect and say, am I, am I living a life or, or have I brought a mentality of my home country and I just inserted it here in Spain and I'm running myself ragged for no reason, (laughs) you know, or, and, and I'm, and and I'm experiencing a lot of resistance because of that mentality. I think that is really a big part of it. And, and that's really when I talk about living abroad as a pathway to wellness, I'm really talking about that kind of space because you know, living abroad isn't, you know, being a pathway to wellness isn't, I get off the plane and it's amazing and everybody yeah. loves me. Yeah, <laughs> it just me feel better. <laughs> I feel amazing. Everything, everything that's wrong with my life is totally over and everything is amazing. Yeah. It's not that. What it is though, is that it can create the time, the space, the resources for you to investigate what you need for your hmm. wellness. And because you are on the outside, you have that space to define who you are and how you how you are in this world without anyone really questioning you. I think that is a big part of that wellness, but you have to be super intentional about taking advantage of that space. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I completely completely get it and I think I've been through that at some point but it took me a lot of time to realize it and that intention is the most important piece and you have to set it if you don't set it you just go back on autopilot and you could be doing that anywhere definitely definitely so let's go back a little bit to when you actually moved how did you how did you feel how did the integration go any highlights lowlights yeah when i moved to spain in 2017 i moved on a uh, with a program an auxiliar de conversacion so basically teaching english and i say that like very loosely because it wasn't (laughs) like i'm not an english teacher and i utilized that as like a nine month sabbatical because i was quite burnt out from right. life in the U.S. And so I moved to La Rioja, which is in the northern part of Spain. It's the smallest community bath. And I mean, it's wine, you know, country as well. So it's yeah. very fabulous and very nice. But very I, chilled. Yeah, but I have to be honest. You know, I was working 12 hours a week, three days a week, and mm. I wasn't necessarily happy at first mm. at all. 
you know, the wine was flowing. It was great, but I wasn't happy. And I think it was because when I first moved, I didn't have that intention and I still Mm. had a lot of anxiety. I still was comparing myself to like my friends. All my friends are attorneys. I went to law school. So I'm trying to compare myself to people who are living a completely different life in a completely different part of the world. And it really wasn't until I grounded myself in this experience. I'm like, I am here. This is what I am doing. This is what I chose to do. And surrender to that experience. Surrender to the, you know, discomfort, right? I think a lot of people think moving abroad is is going to be, especially in Spain, it's like, it's just red wine on terraces. And a lot of it is. (laughs) You know, it's it's nice. But, but that's not what like defines you in the end of the at the end of the day. <laughs> no, I, I mean I developed social anxiety to a point because I just felt like my Spanish wasn't strong enough and doing day-to-day things just caused me so much anxiety mm. because I would go to the store, I would ask my question, people would be like, What are you saying? I just feel so defeated. I just want to go home yeah. and like I wouldn't get the thing that I needed. And it it took me a while to just say, look. You chose this. You have to, you know, you have to toughen up a little bit. Like, yeah, like they can't understand you. That's okay. You have an accent. That's fine. You have yeah. to continue on. And so it wasn't until I, I really toughened up and I just decided, look, I'm just going to speak to you in Spanish with my horrible American accent, and we're just going to we're just going to do that. Yeah. That the experience became more enjoyable because you do have to to surrender to the environment. You have to yeah. be okay with what's happening. And and again, you have to give yourself grace. I think I was I beat up on myself a lot. I was like, why aren't you fluent in Spanish immediately? And it's like <laughs> it's been two days, <laughs> right? Like why why can't you remember this word? It's like it is what it is. And I think mm. once I gave myself permission to to make mistakes. And how people like look at me weird or or make fun of me. I was like, okay, that's fine. I got to get what I want to get. And that made the transition better for me when I first got Mm. here. Okay. It probably also helps just with the learning the language. Going for it, even if it's not perfect, probably just helped with the fluidity and getting there at some point. Yeah. And I found like... I think most Spaniards are very helpful. That they want to understand yeah. what you're saying. They're not like, mm. "What? You, you have the wrong accent." They're like, "What are you? What are you saying?" Like, and we yeah, do the mind. Yeah, patient. Yeah, and and I think that they're very warm in general. So mm. they'll be very curious and like, "Where are you from? What are you doing here? Like, why would you be here in La Rioja?" And having people who are curious about you is nice because you get to practice your Spanish and you get to have some of that hospitality, some of that, you know, humanity. Whereas when I think at the very beginning, it's so easy to allow this social anxiety to make you kind of a recluse and like stay in your house. It was like, no, you didn't move abroad to stay in your house. You have to get out there. Yeah. But I think at the beginning, it's also difficult because you don't have a social circle. Um, So it's, it can be difficult to put yourself out there to actually try and meet people. You don't have strong relationships. You don't have like your tribe. Plus add the language so that it makes it the f- interactions are difficult. And yeah, it's easy to give up. Definitely it is. But I feel like it's one of those experiences where uh, it's you, you just thank yourself when you actually say, mm. look, I did it. I went out. 
maybe it was a complete failure, but at least you did it. <laughs> yeah, you laugh about it after. <laughs> exactly. Amazing, hilarious stories about language mishaps and all those things. <laughs> nice. So after what you moved throughout Spain, you didn't say in La Réa. Can you talk to us a bit, little bit about those different steps and your progression through Spain in a way? Yeah, so I knew that teaching English, even though to very adorable children, was not like <laughs> my thing forever. It was a sabbatical. And so I decided to move to Barcelona to be with my ex-partner. And that was a really great move for me because <laughs> I I mean, Barcelona is a vibrant city. It's, it's yeah. just has everything, beach, everything's going on. And that was really wonderful. And then I had the opportunity to transition from teaching English to doing freelance writing, to taking okay. on a fully remote position with a company that's based in Washington, D.C., excuse me, right. Washington, D.C. And um, yeah, being in Barcelona was quite lovely for me. I think the thing is, is that Barcelona being so cosmopolitan and vibrant and all these kinds mm. of things, it can still feel a little bit lonely as a newcomer because mm. it's a big city. It's a big city. And even though there's all these things happening, you're just like almost overwhelmed. Like, what what do I what do I do? What do I see? Who do I go with? And stuff like that. But I actually found making a community in Barcelona to be actually a little bit easier than La Rioja okay. because there's so many foreigners. And so yeah. everyone it's wants to internationals, right? definitely. Everyone, yeah. everyone wants to make friends. It's not like, you know, in La Rioja where everyone's like, oh, no, I'm going to dinner with my parents on Sunday, yeah. <laughs> like every Sunday. <laughs> so that was quite lovely. Um, yeah. And I was there for about three years, three and a half years. Okay. And then you, is that when you started your own consulting business after? Yeah. So I actually had my consulting business before I, I okay. came to Spain, but I took a break from it. And then um, through the, I don't know, the craziness of my life, Teaching children, doing freelance writing, working for someone else. I was like, I like working for myself. And so okay. I came back to it, but I came back to it in such an interesting way. It was actually in 2020, I came back to doing consulting. And it was also when I started to create my podcast. And it kind of just merged. People kept on asking mm. me, like, how are you in Spain? And I was like, okay, right. this is how I'm in Spain. And then they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, well, I do a lot of different things, but you know, I also have this business, it's with a business strategy. And so I found like my audience of my podcast prim primarily being black women, women of color who are mm -hmm. looking to go abroad, really wanting to create their own businesses. And so then my consultancy really morphed um, because before I was working mostly in the holistic wellness space, sometimes a little okay. bit of tech space. And now it's really morphed into helping black women, women of color, really leverage their expertise and their skills into viable businesses. And some people ask me like, why black women? Why women of color? And I'm like, okay, because I am a black woman, but, but also because like, let's be real. Um, you know, in the United States, it's a, it's a very great country to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of opportunity, not a lot of barriers to act to entry. 
but it's also okay. a country that has systemic issues that chronically undervalue and undermine Black women and women of color and their brilliance. Right. And it makes them perhaps a little bit less confident vulnerable. and yeah. vulnerable. And so as a way for them to really, you know, capture their own brilliance and to really, you know, utilize their own brilliance, not for someone else, but for their own uh, dreams to build up their own assets. That's why I work with them. Now, do I work with only Black women and women of color? No, I've had clients that are not. <laughs> but, you know, like that is that is a passion of mine. And especially because my clients are a lot of them are expats or repats or want to go want to go and be abroad and i think it's a really powerful thing to pair right yeah building a business because for me entrepreneurship is a pathway to self actualization as you serve others you become more of yourself and i cool. also feel like living abroad is such a fantastic opportunity to utilize that self-actualization to open up that chapter of your life and really set it ablaze to really do what you want to do to really set yourself up for a new life um and so i'm really passionate about that and i think it's i think it's quite lovely uh but also i'm quite biased obviously (laughs) (laughs) of course But I agree with you, but then I am. Again, I've lived the same time. So we're in that bubble. <laughs> but no, it's 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 a great project around that empowerment piece and being able to build your own business, but also live abroad. And sometimes it's difficult to handle both because both are big, big steps and big moves. But in a way, they I can totally see how they could go hand in hand with this piece of you're abroad, you're a new person, you're reinventing yourself. So it's also now's the time to do this because you're in that sort of movement. Yeah. I mean, let me, let me not be like flippant about it though. It's, it's hard work. Like living abroad, moving abroad is a hassle. And I tell people that and they laugh and I'm like, no, it's a hassle. There's admin, there's all your anxiety coming up. That's the thing. It's a hassle. But I think with intentionality, both with building a business and moving abroad, it gives you the foundation to go through the bureaucracy and do all the things that you need to do. If you're just doing it for vibes or whatever, like you think it's going to be okay, then yeah, you might be like moving abroad. This is ridiculous. Yeah, because you you don't really have a purpose. Oh. And uh, and starting a business as well, you should have some sort of purpose, some sort of intention, some sort of idea of how you want to be of service to the world. That will draw you. It's interesting what you say about moving abroad with a purpose. And I really don't think many people do it. Just reflecting back on the different episodes that I've had. I mean, perhaps it'll develop later for them, but I think that, I think for emotional well-being and I think for homesickness and isolation, especially Mm. if you're going alone, perhaps if you're going with a partner, then you can kind of just go out there. But I think- Yeah, you have your family as a rock with you. Exactly. But I think uh, if you're going solo, I think, yeah, 
adventure is a great purpose, but you need to mm. know that it's adventure and, and yeah. stick with it. And so you're like, I wanted an adventure. So here I am, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Barcelona experiencing, you know, the pickpocketers or whatever, like it's an yeah. adventure, you know? Uh, but yeah, I think, I think purpose and, and look, purpose and intention doesn't have to be like grandiose. Like it doesn't mm. have to be I don't know, with crystals or like, I don't, and, yeah. and like, you know, fancy you know, intentionality, Instagram things. It just has to be an inner knowing for you. That's all it has to be. It doesn't need to, you don't have to like write it on a wall or anything. You don't have to announce it to anyone. But I think it's important for you to be honest with yourself and to say, this is why I'm doing this. So yeah. that in those moments when you're like, why am I when doing this? Right? Because <laughs> yeah. we all get you here. Can get back to. <laughs> We're all like, why? Why do I live here? Okay. Yes. Now I know. <laughs> so that you have your own kind of guidepost. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good tip, actually. I definitely feel it. And back to you personally. I mean, you've gone through a lot. You've been there five years. Do you see yourself staying? Do you feel like you've accomplished what you wanted and there, or there's still more? Um, I don't think I will stay in Spain long term. I mean, I've already been here for five years. Yeah. Um, I think I will probably move in the next two years. Uh, I think what Spain has done for me is that it has given me a very beautiful life. <laughs> it has <laughs> amazing friends. Um, and it's given me such a, a deep knowing about myself, right? I, right? I enjoy this slower pace of life. And I understand now that things can still get done. You can still be yeah. successful. You don't have to be crazy and like mm. working all the time. You can really enjoy life and enjoy work. I think that is what has taught me. Um, and so I definitely think that I, I have probably fulfilled my purpose here because originally I came because I needed a break. I was like, I, I'm burnt out, but I didn't have the language of burnout. I was just like, I'm very tired. I need a yeah. break. And I've been able to, not to sound cheesy, but I've been able to heal. I've been able to mm. understand who I am and what I want and been, and become confident in pursuing that. And so wherever I go next, I'll be confident in, in that endeavor as well. So we'll see. But I, I, I just came to Valencia, so I'll probably be here for another for two years. <laughs> we'll see. Okay, lovely. Well, let's move on to your recommendations around Spain then. Um, let's start with the restaurant. What is your recommendation? Yes, so my restaurant recommendations, I have two. One is not a restaurant, but I'm still going to tell you about it. One... We'll go for both. <laughs> we'll take all of the recommendations. I'm going to Barcelona soon, so I will take them. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Okay, so my favorite restaurant in Barcelona is called Gallo Santo. And it is okay. a vegan Mexican restaurant. It Ooh, has probably nice. the best Mexican food in Barcelona, even though it's wow. vegan. Um, and the owners are super nice. The mezcal is amazing. Like, it's great. Ah, uh, love mezcal. <laughs> great. great experience. I really love that place. It's always, like, hopping. Like, it's just good vibes. 
Um, it's in the Gracia neighborhood. Oh, my favorite neighborhood. It's, it's one of like the best. Uh, it's, it's so villagey, boho. Yeah, I love it. Um, also in Gracia, another vegan recommendation because I am a vegan is okay. the best gelato I've ever had. And I know I've been to Italy, but still, um, <laughs> it's called Ama. A-M-M-A, and it is the creamiest, most delicious, most vivid, like, flavor profiles ever. And a lot of it is, like, locally sourced. And if it's not locally sourced, it comes from, like, they know the farmers. And I think, because I think they get their um, pistachios from a certain place in Italy. It's just so incredible. It's my favorite. Like whenever I whenever I go up to Barcelona, I'm like, I need to make time to do these two things. Everything yeah. else, I don't know. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So those are my two restaurant recommendations. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So we have the meal and dessert. Perfect. <laughs> uh, what about bar or cafe? Whichever. So I will do Valencia this time. So this is something okay. I feel like a little bit more comfortable with. So um, in Valencia, in the Rusafa neighborhood, there's this very cute, again, vegan uh, cafe. <laughs> it's called Cafe Madrigal. And it is so cute. It has, what I really like about it is that it has traditional Spanish foods, like hmm. plates, but they're just vegan and they're super delicious. So you can have like an amazing tortilla with like the alioli and everything. And it's mm. all vegan and it's very, very yeah. delicious. So I love that. Also, it's just, it's a great vibe. It's a, I think it's, it's a quite spacious cafe, I think for Spain's standards. Right. And it also has yeah. a nice terrace as well. And Lovely. I will say for the bar, I will say a bar here in the El Carmen neighborhood called Bugulu Bar. It's owned by some uh, expats and it's become like the expat digital nomad hub of Valencia, oh. I guess. Okay. And so, so there's one in Valencia. Yeah. So oh, I think it's good to know. So I think it's a really good place if anyone's like I want to go to Valencia, I want to meet people, you want to head to mm. that bar because at any like any day of the week they're having some kind of event and the owners yeah. are super sweet super nice and it's always a good time either you stay there or you kick off and go somewhere else um after yeah. that's pretty cool lovely the last thing i always ask is a carte blanche so it's a spot of your choice you're completely free with what it is yeah i love san Paul de mar which is a bar, not a bar, it's a beach. <laughs> a bar in the brain. It's like 11 o'clock in the morning. The beach could have a bar. <laughs> no, it's a it's a beautiful beach in the province of Barcelona because, to be yeah. honest, the beaches within the city of Barcelona are not the best. Yeah, they're not. They're not yeah. the best. So you just take the train, and I think it's about like maybe 45 minutes up the coast okay. to San Pau de Mar. It is such a beautiful little village. The beach is so lovely. The water is like aquamarine. It's just Aww. amazing. It's my favorite, favorite beach. Um, go early in the summertime. Go early in the yeah. summertime. But that's like my favorite place. If I if I was really, maybe if I was a little bit older and I'd be like, I'm living in San Pau de Mar because it's, it's a beach town. So it's kind of mm. dead during the winter. It's just going to be locals. But it's just a vibe. It's like, it's such a and it's still pretty place. close to Barcelona, so you can yeah, 
Yeah, you can just hop in. Yeah. Nice. Well, we'll link all of that in the comments so you can guide, you guys can go and test it. And before I leave you, I'm very curious about your expat song. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked me this because I actually wrote about this in a newsletter to my oh. podcast audience like a couple of weeks ago. And so the song that I chose is called Why Georgia by John Mayer. And Hi. in the song, basically the song is talking about why is he living in Georgia? Because I think he's originally mm. from Connecticut. And so... Okay. Um, you know, he's talking about why have I lived this life? Like, why have I made this decision? And he keeps on asking himself, am I living it right? Am I living it right? Yeah. And I'm like, this is so my life. This is what we all go through. <laughs> <laughs> Did I make the right decision? Is this my purpose? <laughs> is it still my purpose? <laughs> exactly. And then he has a part of the song where he's like, um, Everybody is just a stranger, but that's the danger of going my own way. I guess it's the price I have to pay. And I'm like, that is, it's the price you have to pay, right? Yeah. I have all these friends and all these people in Barcelona, but, you know, deciding to leave and making my own way again in a different place in Spain is like... Mm. It's a true because you've almost been an expat three times, but within Spain. Yeah. It's like a new expatriation within the same country each time. It is. It's, I mean, and here in Spain, and I'm sure it is in every country, like every community that is so different. They have different Mm. culture, the different way of being, different way of speaking. And I'm always just like, okay, what do you say? Here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I like that song. It's a little bit um, melancholy, but I think it's also a little bit hopeful. Um, and I like that reflection of like, am I living it right? And who's to yeah. say, like, what is right? You get to define that. And so, yeah, um, but sometimes that's what's scary because you have a choice, right? I, I feel like sometimes having a choice is really, really scary. It's like, oh, I'm in control. Great. But, oh, what do I do? Because it's, it's going to be my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm responsible. I can't blame anyone else. No. <laughs> overwhelm of like I can choose anything yes to choose exactly yeah yeah yeah. but I love that song so everyone check it out I think I think it's a very nice acoustic I guess I guess it's not acoustic it is an acoustic song (laughs) acoustic guitar song I will link the YouTube link also and go check it out I'll listen to it just after (laughs) yeah and let me know what you think I will well, thanks so much. I love this conversation. Really, very deep, uh, but super interesting. That the purpose about yeah, just reconnecting with yourself and taking the time to actually do it is something we can all uh, all learn from. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much, Pauline. This was so amazing. I had such a good time chatting with you this morning. Guys, thank you for listening. As usual, everything is linked in the comments and. You can put a rating on Spotify now and Apple Podcasts and you can follow everyone on Instagram. Thank you. Thank you.